You are listening to Christian Lighthouse Ministries of Canada, shining a beacon of truth into the ever-present darkness of this world. This is your host and watchman. Hello, and thank you for joining me today as I talk about a subject that is going to hit home for most of us and is a controversial subject. What does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage, and what does God think of it? In today's society, divorce is rampant. One out of two people either have been affected by divorce or know someone who is. That's an extremely high statistic, and yet, instead of getting better, these numbers keep getting worse. Let's look at a couple of statistical numbers. One, over 50% of first marriages end in divorce. Two, 67% of second marriages end in divorce. And three, 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Can we see a trend here? If divorce was something good and right, then would you not think that these numbers would be going down after the first divorce? And yet continually, you see these numbers rising. Even in our churches today, you see more and more pastors these days getting divorced and remarried, setting examples for their congregations and those who follow them externally. But what kind of example are they really setting? Are these pastors who are getting divorced and remarried setting biblical examples? Let's see what the Bible has to say. When you are doing a study through the scriptures, there are a couple of ways the Bible defines divorce. The main way it will describe divorce is by put away. So we'll look at some of those references, though this will not be exhaustive by any means. Matthew 5.32 states, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Matthew 19.5-8 And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then give the command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. Within the two passages in Matthew, we see Jesus himself not only telling us in chapter 19, verse 5, that the original plan of God was to not have divorce, but he also equates the fact that if you are divorced in his eyes, you are still married, and he uses the term adultery to refer to any other relationship that happens both within a marriage and after a divorce. Let's take a look at Paul's writings and see what he has to say. Hebrews 13.4 Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. 1 Corinthians 7, 10-14 says, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest I speak, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, 
and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Here we see a couple of concepts, one of remarriage, which I will discuss shortly, and another of divorce, or as Paul says, put away and depart. Paul in verse 10 is commanding not from his own power, but directly from God, saying, If you are married, then you are commanded to not separate from your own husband. This also works in reverse men. Do not separate separate from your wives either. In verse 11, he is commanding the husbands, Wives, this does go for you too, to not divorce or put away your wife. Paul then moving forward through verses 12 through 14 goes into more details as Christians were attempting to use the excuse of being unequally yoked to get a divorce. And here he is saying, even if you are unequally yoked, a believer married to an unbeliever, then you are to remain together as a married couple and to not divorce for that reason. Because through your daily actions and your daily walk with the Lord, you will set apart, which is what sanctified means, your own household, and you may even be able to win your unbelieving spouse to the Lord, let alone setting a good example for your children in what a healthy home and relationship is. While I'm on this topic, I want to address something lately that I heard someone say, that their family is cursed by a divorce, that multiple generations now have continually gotten divorced, sometimes even remarried, two, three, and four times and yet continues the trend of divorce and remarriage, and setting the example to the extended family, the young nieces, nephews, and grandchildren, by getting remarried once again. There is a way to break the cycle of destructive marriages and destructive examples for future generations. It is one that seems very simple, and yet it is hard to do. Have you figured out what it is yet? I'll give you the answer a little later on. So now we see a bit of what God thinks about divorce. To him, it's a great sin. As we find in the book of Leviticus 20, verses 10, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and adulteress shall surely be put to death. God has given a death penalty on those who commit adultery. And as we saw in Matthew, this includes those who are actually divorced as well. Now that we know the severity of divorce and what God's perspective is on divorce, let's look at remarriage. Though there is not a lot in scripture about remarriage, there are some things that we can glean. First off, we can gather just from God's view of divorce that he would consider marriage to another person after you've been divorced a great sin and would still be adultery unto your first spouse. Secondly, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 11, but And if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Paul here is commanding by the authority of God that if you do get a divorce for whatever reason, that you are to remain unmarried, or you need to work things out and remarry, or, if you're separated, work things out, to the spouse you have divorced. There is a caveat to this, however. If you have already been married to another, you are to not go back to your previous spouse, whether you have been divorced or your new spouse dies. God sees it as an abomination and a defilement of marriage and the symbology behind marriage. In Deuteronomy, we see this, chapter 24, verses 2 through 4. And when she has departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. 
And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it to her in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. Another thing I would like to point out is that all throughout Scripture we see men and women making vows, commitments, or promises to the Lord or to their peers. We also see the consequences for not following through on those promises, as well as God's blessing to those who keep their commitments or vows. Take Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. They made a vow stating that the money they had given to the church was every last cent, and yet they lied by only giving a small portion of what they had made by selling their land, and God held them accountable. If they had said it was only a portion and didn't swear that it was the entire amount, then things would have been different. But because they broke the vow and therefore lied to God, God smote them both. Ecclesiastes 5 verses 4 through 6 has this to say about making vows. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou should not vowest a vow, than thou should vowest a vow, and not pay it. Suffer not the mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel, that was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice, and destroy the work of thine own hands? Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 also says, when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack, or don't be slow, to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be a sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, or do not vow, it shall be no sin in thee. So we can see here that if we make a vow unto God, he takes them very seriously. And if you break a vow, then it is a sin against God. So how does this apply? Well, when we get married, we say vows to one another, before the minister and before the people. But most importantly, we are saying these vows before God. What are these vows? Typically, we are vowing to stay married until death separates us here on this earth, through better or worse, richer or poor, through both sickness and in health. This means that we have promised each other and God that we will remain together no matter what. Yet, time and time again, these vows are not taken seriously and are broken again and again, committing sin upon sin against God, stacking up and breaking a vow, causing others to commit adultery, committing adultery to yourself, also causing your children and their children to fall into sin by your setting the example of divorce for them. So we can see just by these three points that God has a real hatred when it comes to divorce and remarriage, because it is an assault on God and the, on the order that God has given for us, for marriage and for families. So what are the causes of divorce? The world would tell you that the causes of divorce are financial issues, incompatibility, unhappy with the spouse, not meeting expectations, hardships and strife, sexual immorality, power struggle in the home, and abuse. If you look at all of these different excuses, they are true. These are the causes of most divorces these days. But what do they have in common? Selfishness, pride, fleshly desires, putting yourself first, and not having a proper view of what marriage is and what it is supposed to be. 
So earlier I said I would answer my question, which was, what is the best way to break the cycle of divorce in the home? The simple answer is, don't get a divorce in the first place. That being said, if you are married and considering a divorce, take what I have to say today to heart. Pray about the matter, ask God to renew your heart to your spouse, and do anything it takes to repair, renew, and keep your marriage together. If you are divorced, remain single until your prior spouse, or in the case of multiple marriages, all prior spouses, have passed away, since you vowed unto God that you would remain faithful and married unto your spouse until death do you part, or reconcile your marriage to your spouse provided neither of you have married another person after your divorce. If you are remarried, remain faithful unto death to your current spouse, and do not get a divorce, for you will be compounding your sin against God if you do. So how can we do these things? First, we can only do them with the power of God. The most important thing is prayer. Come together with your spouse and pray together. There's an old saying, the family that prays together stays together. And more things are wrought with prayer than this world dreams of. Secondly, a right view on the roles of husbands and wives within a marriage will help alleviate most of the causes the world tells you are a cause for divorce. Financial issues can be resolved by the husband taking the lead on the finances, being the primary breadwinner, and working hard to bring an income in to fit the needs of the family. This can also be helped by watching the spending, using coupons, and looking for sales and discounts by the wife. Incompatibility with each other can be solved by prayer and coming closer together with God as the focus of your marriage. Over time, as you both grow closer to God, you will both grow closer to each other, and the incompatibility will start to be blurred until you both are one person. Unhappy with your spouse, strife, and power struggles all can be solved by following God's plan in Ephesians 22 verses 21 through 30. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, and cherisheth it, and even to the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. God has commanded you men to lead the home, to sacrifice yourselves, and to love your wives unconditionally, not being selfish, but selfless. Women, God has commanded you to submit to your husbands in everything, and not to subvert the authority God has given your husband over you and over the household, no matter how much you may think he is incompetent or unable to lead.
Another issue is sexual immorality. This can be solved by following the same process that incompatibility, being unhappy with your spouse, strife, and power struggles have. So please listen to those again as I won't repeat them word for word. However, there is a second way that needs to be involved through the first processes, and that is making a clean break from those things that are drawing you away from your spouse and into immorality, such as pornography, adultery, adult clubs, and other such means. This may mean that having an accountability partner aside from your spouse, such as your pastor, or a good friend that understands what you are going through and has already conquered their own immorality through God's help. There are also biblically-based support groups who can help you through these things. This may also mean getting an accountability software and content filtering software on all of your devices in order to help stem the accessibility of pornography and other related websites. Or getting rid of all social media, or even getting rid of the internet and TV if these things are drawing you away from your spouse in an immoral manner. Or even breaking those relationships that you have made, whether they are of a romantic nature or a friendship that makes you desire them or being around them more than your own spouse. Women, do not be deceived. Sexual immorality is not only a problem for men. Women are drawn away even easier due to the emotional nature of their personalities and can be misled and drawn away by other men paying more attention to them than they believe their husbands are. Women, you also tend to fall into immorality when you start seeking other avenues of emotional need, even if it's just a platonic friend who you trust, talk to, and tell your secrets to more than your own husband. Do not think that you ladies are immune to pornography as well. All ages, both men and women, can get addicted to it, and in the end, it will end up destroying marriages, even if you are watching it together to so-called spice up your marriage. In the long run, it will hurt your marriage. Finally, we come to abuse, the hardest one of them all, yet I have already addressed it in Ephesians 5 verses 28 through 29. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. Men, if you are being abusive, you need to stop. As you aren't loving your wife and are harming yourself, your wife, your children, and most importantly, you are committing a sin against God. I realize there may be issues behind this, such as addictions, anger and emotional issues, and other things contributing to your outbursts. Focus on Christ, make Him the focus, and when you feel like you need to lash out and be abusive to your wife or your children, go for a walk and go to God in prayer. Christ will give you the power to overcome your issues and help give you the power to lead your home in a godly manner and in a right way. As I mentioned a few moments ago, ask God to renew your heart to your spouse and do anything it takes to repair, renew, and keep your marriages together. Ladies, do not think I'm forgetting about you. The world will tell you that men are only the abusers, but women can be just as bad. If you are being abusive to your husbands, whether it's verbally or physically, you need to stop. God has placed your husbands as an authority figure, and you need to respect and love your husband, no matter what he does or doesn't do.
focus on Christ, make him the focus. And when you feel like you need to lash out and be abusive to your husband or your children, go for a walk and go to God in prayer. Christ will give you the power to overcome your issues and help give you the power to submit to your husband and to guide your home in a godly manner and in a right way. Again, ask God to renew your heart to your spouse and do anything it takes to repair, renew, and keep your marriage together. Abuse is a very serious topic, and make no mistake, I am not making light of this in any way. For there will be some situations in which the only safe thing to do is to seek help and to leave the situation entirely. In this manner, however, if it is that serious, you must remain single until your spouse has passed away, or there is such time as you are able to reconcile with your spouse. In this instance, I would counsel that you seek your pastor for one-on-one counseling and seek godly family marriage counseling to work out the issues that you have and do everything within your power, or better yet, in God's power, to reconcile the marriage and to create a safe home for all of those involved. Again, always remember to ask God to renew your heart to your spouse and do anything it takes to repair, renew, and keep your marriage together. Folks, make Christ the focus of your marriage and your family. If you have priorities with God, God will bless your marriage and your family. Pastors, set an example to those who you are leading in your church. Lead your home biblically and do not divorce, for you are to be the husband of one wife, ruling your house well. If you are divorced, you need to step down so as to set a right and proper example for those to come and for your congregation in showing that you fear God and then you acknowledge that divorce and remarriage while your spouse is alive is a sin and that you have been disqualified as a pastor biblically. I know this is a serious matter and I thank you all for being here with us today at CLM Canada. I pray that today's episode will be a help to those who are considering divorce, who are divorced, and to those who are considering a remarriage. And remember, The family that prays together stays together. Thank you for listening. This is your Watchman, signing off. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain 